The following audio is from Citizens Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. If you're interested in getting involved with our family, visit citizenscharlotte.com connect. Our teaching text this evening comes from 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 20. For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Well, church family, good to be with you. Good to see you. If we haven't met before, uh, my name is Garrison. I'm on our leadership team. I'm uh, one of our deacons. Excited to get to be with you tonight. If you have a Bible you can open up to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it'll be on the screen behind me. We'll get there in just a second. Um, I want to tell you about a little bit of a trend that I've been noticing in my life, in uh, my wife and I's lives. Um, we have now been uh, married for a little bit and have lived in a couple different places. And anytime that we have guests over, the same experience unfolds. It doesn't matter who it is, it doesn't matter how long we've known them, it goes the same way. Everywhere we've lived, whoever it is will walk into our home and they will say the same thing. They will say, oh my gosh, I love what you've done with the place. I love the paint, I love how you did the little succulent, it's amazing. And I respond the same way every time. I say, thank you, it's all me, it's all me which is a lie, but it's okay because it's a joke. My wife does it all. I bring nothing to the table. I, I'm just there. Like, I, I, I guess I've helped with the painting and I've drilled some holes in the wall sometimes, but it's not me. I don't pick anything out. I, it's not my vision. It's not me. And I never heard it before I was married, which is hurtful. Does it matter where the place is? She can just turn a wasteland into something out of a magazine. Like, before we were married, I lived in the apartment first. It looked terrible. Like, people, it was the opposite response. It was, what is going on in here? And it was beautiful. Um, the reason that she is so good at this is that she has the ability to imagine what could be. She has eyes to see what, what is, what the problems are, and see the potential of what could be. I do not in this space, but she does. She can see the potential. Um, throughout our series, as we've been talking about work, our big idea is that we need to reorient how we view our work, whatever we would call work. So we started by saying we need a new story. We need a new lens, which how we view the world, by how which we view our work. We need to see work as a calling. We need to have a new identity as we go into our work. We need to see that our work has value and that we need it. And last week we said that we need to see that our frustrations, they have a meaning. In order to step in and actually put into practice everything we've talked about, 
Very similarly, you need to have imagination. You need to be able to imagine what could be, to step into a new way that you can approach work. You have to see what is. You have to see what your problems are. You have to be able to see to reimagine what could be. Today's going to be no different. We're concluding the series by talking about mission. Mission in our work, mission in all of our lives, mission at home, your parenting. We're going to see that God has given you a mission regardless of where you are, specifically in your job. So as we start out tonight, before we get into God's Word, I want to ask you two questions. One, do you believe God has a mission to save the world? Do you believe that God is on a mission to save the world? And two, do you believe that you're a part of it? Do you believe that you're a part of God's mission to save the world? Tonight, my goal is to help you see that the answer to both of those questions is yes. I want to show you what the Bible is actually inviting us into. The big picture, the new story that will reframe, that will help us see the potential, reimagine our circumstances in our jobs. We've got a lot of Bible to cover. I think it's going to be great. So hop in. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting in verse 14. It says, For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. So we're hopping in, in the middle of this letter that Paul's writing to the church at Corinth. And at the beginning of this chapter, chapter 5, he says that Christians are going to suffer. It is not if, it is when. That we will all endure suffering. And he says, when we encounter this, that something's going to happen to us. We're going to groan. We're going to long for heaven, for eternity, to be in God's presence. But he turns. He shifts out of saying, yes, we'd rather be there. And he says this, that the love of Christ controls us. He says what that love actually is. He says that one has died for all, therefore all have died. He reminds them what Christ has done for them. Now that should reorient how we view our circumstances. Because we have died with Christ. That Christ died for us, and we died with Him. You died to your old way of living. You died to your old way of thinking, to your beliefs. They're all dead. And He keeps going on. Verse 15, He says, And He died for all, that those who might live might no longer live for themselves, but for Him who for their sake died and was raised. Verse 16, from now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we, were once regard, we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard Him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. He gets practical. He says, this, the gospel is going to bleed into your life. That if you've died with Christ... All of your old way of living has also died with Him. And something new has happened. You've been made into a new creation. That the Gospel is going to bleed into your life. That you now have a new way of thinking. A new way of believing. You were made new. He's going to start to land the plane in verse 18. He says, All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to Himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. This is big for us tonight. He reconciled us to Himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So this is painting the story that the Bible frames all of reality in. That we, uh, are the whole world, that you, that everyone you know is broken. 
that all of creation is fractured. And what comes from that is we are disconnected. That Our relationship with God is not the way that it should be. Sin broke our relationship with God. So God is stepping in. That He's reconciled us. That He's restoring us. He's redeeming us. Reconciliation, what it means here is that God is bringing things back to the way that they're meant to be. Reconciliation is bringing things back to the way they're meant to be. So what Paul's saying is all of this new life, dying with Christ, God did all of it. God pursued you. You did not have potential. You were helpless and hopeless before God. And He stepped in and did all of the work to save you and to make you new. This is both now and in the future. But reconciliation is not just something happening to you individually. It's bigger than that. We zoom out and see more. Verse 19 says, That is in Christ, God was reconciling the world to Himself. So God is not only reconciling individuals to Himself, but He's reconciling the whole world. This is the Gospel. That God is redeeming all of creation. That everything broken in the world Anytime you see the news and say, that seems off, that is broken, God is doing something about it. So reconciliation is both a spiritual reality in your life, and it's a physical reality, both now and in what's to come, that all broken things are being made new and will be made new. This is the story of the Bible, and this is what you are invited to see. This is the potential. This is what God is inviting us to to reimagine and to see the potential for our lives and how you approach your work, your life, your coworkers, your friends, your family, your kids, whoever. Seeing that He is at work in reconciling the world. But God, the Bible actually pulls the curtain back even further. We get invited into seeing where we're going, where the story actually ends. It's going to inform what reconciliation will actually look like. So look at Revelation 21. It'll be on the screen real quick. Revelation 21. It says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. In verse 5, And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. So I want to make sure that we read this correctly. That when the Apostle John, who wrote Revelation, he says that the first heaven and earth passed away, he's not saying that everything just gets erased off the map, like it didn't exist at all. He does not say that God will make all new things. He says that God will make all things new. And this matters. He's saying God is going to take what is, what is now, what's broken in your life, what's broken in the world, and He's going to make it what it's supposed to be. He's going to make it what it's supposed to be. This is different from that ethereal view of heaven that we have where we think it's just up in the clouds and we're going to just play harps and have wings. That's not heaven. Heaven is coming here. 
The whole world is going to be reconciled and renewed. We see this in the life of Jesus. He's the ultimate example where Jesus died, he passed away, and he was resurrected. And what happened is his body was not destroyed. It was glorified. It was made new. It will be the same with us, and it will be the same with the world. That is your hope as a Christian. And it matters not just in your future reality. It matters now. It matters for you right now. You're being invited to reimagine your present reality in light of your future reality. This is what God is doing. Now that's the big picture of what reconciliation is. Now I want to show you, I know we've done a lot, but I want to show you how this will bleed into mission. That this is the whole missional thing. This is the whole plan. So look back, we just read this. This is where it's going to hit home. Verse 18. It says, all this is from God. This is back to 2 Corinthians. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to Himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. If you like to highlight things, this would be a great thing to highlight. He gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to Himself not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making His appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. God is taking what is broken in the world and He is making it new already. He is making it new now. He will make it new forever in the future heavens and earth. That is the ministry of reconciliation. That is the what. And He wants you to be a part of it. He wants you to be a part of it right now. So, another way to say it is God has reconciled you to Himself and given you the ministry of reconciliation. He said, hey, you are now reconciled to Me. You have been made right with Me. I view you, if you are in Christ, I view you as I view Jesus. You are reconciled. Now go be reconciled. He's given you a mission. His mission. And He gives us a job title. Maybe our most important job title. He says you're an ambassador. You're an ambassador of Christ. Of Christ's reconciling work in the world. I think we all know what an ambassador is. That is uh, essentially an emissary sent on behalf of a sovereign nation to another entity. So like the United States would send an ambassador to specific places to invest our interests there, the same thing is true for you as an ambassador of Christ. That you have been sent here, wherever you are, in the city of Charlotte. It doesn't matter where you were born or how long you've been here. The sovereign God of the universe has sent you as an ambassador to this city, to your job, to your friends, to your family, to your children, you've been entrusted with this message. You are a steward. And if that doesn't feel weighty, it should. That you have a role to play. That God is taking what is broken in this world and making it new, and He wants to use you. Not a future version of you. Not when you know more Bible facts or read some more big theology books. Right now, we are ambassadors for Jesus, you are a representative of the King. And that's where I want to go back to those two questions. Do you believe that God is on a mission to save the world? So you, do you believe all of the things that I just said? 
You believe that the, the world has an issue, that it is actually broken and in need of saving. And do you actually believe that God's doing something about it? And then secondly, do you believe that you have invited, been invited to be a part of it? Uh, what I'm not saying is, uh, do you nod your head and know that to be true? Sure, that's, that's confessional belief. If you haven't heard that lingo before, it essentially means, yes, you, you would affirm it with your mind. That yes, I believe that. Confessional belief is good. I'm talking about functional belief. What do you believe in your heart? What bleeds into your life? Like if somebody followed you around all week, nobody's going to follow you around. We're not sending anyone after you. I'm just saying hypothetically, if somebody were to follow you around all week, would they see by your actions, by how you manage your time, by how you treat other people, that you functionally believe this? Yes or no? That's the question. Um, struggling to believe this, struggling to believe that God is on a mission, that He wants to use you as an ambassador, that is not about gifting. It's not that it's like, oh, that person in our church, they're great at that. I'm just, I'm not, so that's why I don't do it. It's not about apathy. It's always about your heart. It's always about your heart. It's about actually believing the gospel. About believing that we serve a God who is in the business of saving people in a real way. Not just other people with those crazy stories, but in your life. Um, I heard someone recently um, say in a, in a sermon that 90, he took a poll, 99% of Christians would share their faith if they knew the person would believe. I don't know where he got the stats. But he said that 99% of the time, a Christian would share their faith if they knew the person would believe. And I think that's true. I think a lot of times we think that the problem is about the how or the what, like, I don't know how to say this in the right way. I don't know, what if I don't know the right answer? And don't get me wrong, that certainly is part of it. But I actually think there's more here. I think we struggle to believe. I think we struggle with uh, fear of rejection and fear of failure that comes from a lack of belief and that God is actually doing something and wants to use you. Like, we think we're like, accident, like if we're about to have a conversation with somebody, it's like, oh, this was an accident. I don't know what to say. No. God wants to use you. And we also may think that this struggle is in spite of our jobs. Like our jobs just make it really difficult to share the gospel with people. I, I'm not saying that's not true either. But don't get it wrong. God wants to use all of your life, all of your time, all of your energy, and your work to be of service to Him. God wants to use you exactly where you are, how you are, with the work that He's given you to be an ambassador for Christ. Um, you are the plan. Like there's not a JV team and a, and a varsity team with this. You are the plan. There's no one else stepping in. It's you. You are God's plan to reconcile where you are. He wants to use you and your work as a means of reconcil reconciliation and redemption. It's you. And I'll say that a million times. It's going to get really repetitive. Because I think we really struggle to believe this. Now that's the big picture stuff. That, that is what you've been invited into. Now I actually do want to say, let's talk about the how. How do we partner with God in, in this? How do we actually step in and step out as ambassadors? So I want to give you three tips 
on how you can actually do this in your job. Now, it'll be different. Every work has some different nuances. Some of us define work differently, so you'll have to do some of the work to put these tips into action, but I think these are going to be really helpful. Three, three ways that we can step in as ambassadors at work. So number one, live life from a reconciled heart. Live life from a reconciled heart. This verse, verse 14 again. It says, For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. Um, I was listening to a sermon earlier this week prepping. I was on my podcast. I'm a millennial, so I listen to sermons on the podcast app. And he said this, and I think it's been really helpful for me. He said, Care more about the work God wants to do in you than the work He wants to do through you. Care more about the work God wants to do in you than the work He wants to do through you. And I'm not setting those up as things that are in contention. What I'm saying is that the work that goes through you comes from the work in you. The work that comes from you and through you comes from the work in you. If you want to give hope in the Gospel, and grace to those around you, you have to experience it. If you want people to know Jesus around you, you have to know Jesus. If we're called to be ambassadors, agents of reconciliation, then we have to be changed by God. And I'm not saying you have to be perfect, right? I'm not saying, hey, uh, put on your Christian pants and really be a perfect person around everyone. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying absolutely maybe be different if we're sinning, Right? No, I'm saying there's something beautiful about actually having a need for grace and forgiveness in your job place. That will that'll set you apart as, yeah, I'm not the perfect employee. Yeah, I, I am trying to find my identity in this and I really need help. I really need to shift. That will set you apart. I'm not saying be perfect. What I am saying is our own hearts are in need of reconciliation and renewal and a life that has been remade by Jesus is the most beautiful picture for the onlooking world, for your friends, for your kids, for your coworkers. A really um, helpful way that I've heard this talked about, it's kind of simple and corny, but whatever, um, is like it's a trampoline. That the gospel and mission is like a trampoline, right? So if you don't know what a trampoline is, um, you've been deprived. I, I don't know what to say. Uh, you should buy a trampoline right now. Um, essentially, how it works is the further you press in to the trampoline, into the springs, the higher, you, the higher you bounce. Same is true with the gospel. The further you press in to your relationship with Jesus, the more depth you have in the gospel, the higher you'll spring, the more you'll be sent out, the more you'll care about mission. What I'm, what I'm trying to say is that a lot of us we struggle with mission. We struggle with courage and sharing our faith because we don't spend enough time with Jesus. I'm not trying to say, gotcha. But I think that's the truth. We haven't pushed into the gospel enough. We don't have enough depth in our relationship with Jesus. And this, uh, this is actually one of the hundred plus reasons that we talk so much about spiritual disciplines. Like we're just the spiritual disciplines church. Like we talk about it all the time. 
This is why. This is why we talk about Bible reading, prayer, Sunday worship, fasting, feasting, silence, and solitude. Those just aren't throwaway things that we want you to do for no reason. No. Those are the means by which God wants to change your life. By which His Spirit will move in your heart. This is why we're doing Quick Plug, a spiritual discipline seminar next week. And I would invite you to be there, seriously. Even if you're like, I know all that stuff. Even if you're like, oh, I was there at the series last year. No, be there, please. We want to help you step in to make a plan. God wants to do a work within you that spills into everything and everyone around you. One of the best witnesses. One of your best tools. We give out a lot of tools for mission. The best one is your life. Transformed by Jesus. Live from a reconciled heart. Live from a reconciled heart. Second point, see the potential in your work. See the potential in your work. Um, We've said this a bunch in this series. All work has thorns and thistles. All work has issues. It's messy. It's broken. All work is broken. All work is frustrating. There's no silver bullet. There's no unicorn that'll just take away all your work problems. You're like, I love this all the time. No. That being said, you as an ambassador of Christ, you are still sent into the brokenness, into the messiness, into the thorns and thistles. A lot of the way that works is asking yourself the question, what might God be inviting me to do here? How how does God want to use me to help restore parts of the brokenness at my job? Where's the potential? God has put you where you are for a reason. You have eyes to see the why. You have eyes to see the problems. You have eyes to see the potential. Um, A couple, I think, helpful examples. Um, I don't know if you work in a job like this where it's just production all the time. Busy, you better get the things done. It's all about results and production. What tends to happen in environments like that is people start to kind of lose their humanity a little bit. What would it look like if you were the person that had the running list of birthdays? How, How small of a thing is that? And you just bring donuts. Happy birthday. You write them a little note that says, hey, care about you. I'm appreciative of you. This is how I see you growing. This is how you've affected me. That's a different thing in your workplace. That actually will get people's attention because you're treating them like a human being. And for our parents, you are a means of God's grace in your kid's life. You are a means of God's grace to your kids. You have the responsibility of stepping in and showing your kids who Jesus actually is. Not who other people will say they are, but who you say Jesus is. So reading a Bible story at night, that matters. Even when you're tired and you're just like, they've been crazy, just go to bed. Teaching them to pray, it matters. Uh, the way you live your life matters. You showing up to gatherings and showing up to community group even though you don't want to and everything's wrong. That matters. You're teaching them something about prioritizing things for the sake of the Gospel. That matters a lot. God has put you in your work for a reason. To show your kid Jesus. It's a beautiful calling. Uh, Many of us work from home. That's shifted over the last year. A lot of us work from home and so do our neighbors. What would it look like? You can't do happy hours after work anymore, right? What would it look like if you did it with your neighbors who work from home? What if we pushed back 
against the trend where we live in the same neighborhood with people for years and don't know anyone's first name. That would be beautiful. You have eyes to see the potential that your frustrating coworker is not just a frustrating coworker. That there's potential that God would get a hold of their heart just like He got a hold of your heart. You have eyes to see. Do you believe it? You believe that your boss is not just your boss that wants something from you, but that they have brokenness in their life, that they need prayer, that they're stressed out, that there's problems with their family. That simple conversation matters to them, that they're a human being with a soul. There's potential there. The work is not just pointless. The way you step in, people are going to notice it. You bring your role as an ambassador to your job, whether you know it or not. So you bring a presence. And that presence can aid in the mission of God or can add nothing or even take away and add to the brokenness and mess. So we step in and we labor well and we pray, what is the potential for my job? Number one, live from a reconciled heart to see the potential. Final takeaway tonight, invite others to be reconciled. Invite others to be reconciled. This is Second uh, Corinthians 5.20 again. It says, Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ. God making His appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Um, part of our role as ambassadors is to work hard. We've said that a lot in the series. That for many of us, we need to step in and we need to do good work. And part of the way that for many of us, we need to partner with God and taking the world somewhere is by talking to somebody about Jesus. By sharing our faith. Um, the people around you that don't know Jesus, God, God is calling them to Himself. He, he wants them to know Him. That is part of the reason you know them as a Christian. That God wants to use you. He's intentionally put you around them to share about who He is. The Bible tells us one, it has one story. And it has, it's very clear. We have one problem. One big problem as humans. Our sin. And that we need reconciliation to God. Christ. There's no other way to fix it. And everybody around us is trying to fix it without knowing it. They're trying a hundred different solutions a hundred different ways and none of it will work. And you have the cure. Our role as ambassadors is to do what it says in verse 20. To say, we implore you on behalf of Christ, please be reconciled to God. So you were made for. For relationship with Him. All the stuff you're trying, all the stuff you want, all the things that you put your identity in, come be reconciled to Christ. That's going to require us to open our mouths. And uh, I know for some of us that's going to make us really uncomfortable. Because we don't want to make people feel like projects. Which is fine. I want to make people feel like projects. feels like uh, we're putting too much pressure on the relationship, on forming relationships with non-believers. I understand that too. I don't want to do that either. I don't want to make people feel uncomfortable. Uh, there's a real threat that some of us could go too far, that we could start beating people over the head with the Bible. 
I don't know if that's going to be any of us based off what I know. But there's a very we, there's a very real possibility that you could go too far. But uh, I'd rather us be really weird and awkward than unfaithful and controlled by our fear, uh, which actually just comes from us being unloving. If I want to say it very bluntly, because what would love be? Let me sh- share with you the best news ever that I know the solution to your deepest heart level problems. That would be loving. I'd rather you lovingly make somebody feel uncomfortable out of love because you shared the gospel with them than to spare their feelings and not do it. Because their, uh, people's feelings matter. That's not what I'm saying here. I'm not saying just bombard them. No, people's feelings matter. Their soul matters more. People's feelings matter. And their soul is more important. And if you think that intentionally building relationships with people in in hopes that they would become Christians is a wrong thing or a weird thing or dual motive, I don't know what to tell you. That's the whole thing that we're doing here. That's That's the whole picture that the Bible has painted for us. It's, hey, you've been reconciled. Go reconcile others. Go be a part of that. As an ambassador, we have to share who we're representing. Otherwise, we're not faithful. That's our job title. That's our job description. Um, I think we talk about uh, mission a ton. We do, and I think we've grown a lot, so don't hear me wrong there. We've grown a lot, and I want us to keep pushing in that direction. So uh, for many of us, the one takeaway tonight is to open your mouth. There's a lot of different ways you can open your mouth if you didn't know. Maybe it's not, oh, we just met, let me share my testimony. Maybe it's not that. But maybe it's, man, we just really had a stressful week. Um, how can I pray for you this weekend? That's not that weird. <laughs> that actually is really nice, really kind. Open your mouths. We work hard, we're, in good, we're good employees, we serve and we care for our coworkers, and we actually open our mouths and share the gospel. I know every workplace is different, and some of us would actually maybe get fired if we did that. So there's some nuances. Uh, we got to figure some of that stuff out. I'd be happy to talk through it with you. But we got to take little steps. Got to take little steps and see what God does. So point one, live from a reconciled heart. See the potential and invite others to be reconciled. Um, I want to just close with a story. Um, it's from one of our members named Courtney. Uh, she let me, she gave me a story. I didn't, you know, I just out of the blue. Um, no, this is, this is a story I think it just gives you a great vision of what this actually looks like. I think it's really beautiful. So I'm just going to read it. She typed it up for me, and then we'll be done. This is from Courtney. She said, when I first started my job in Rock Hill, South Carolina, I went in with the expectation of putting in my time so that I could gain experience and move on to a bigger and better hospital in Charlotte. It was never in my plan to have to commute across state lines to go to work every day, and it definitely did not feel like a calling. Looking back, it is so evident that Rock Hill is exactly where God wanted me to be because it's also where he put my coworker Casey. We became work friends fairly quickly. It was easy to do when there were only three registered dietitians and we all happened to be new graduates. 
Casey was the type of coworker that was always positive, always kind, and always willing to help out where she was needed. We would laugh about how unbelievably friendly Casey was to everyone she met. The department custodian would even stop by just to follow up on their conversation about his garden, and the cook would talk to her about his kids. She wasn't just kind, but genuinely cared for the people around her in such an unusual way. I had always known that Casey was a Christian, not only by how she talked about church, but also in how she cared for and served others. When I would get frustrated over kitchen staff interrupting my work to ask questions, she would instead be grateful for the opportunity to help someone with less healthcare knowledge manage their conditions. When I would get frustrated and rant about bad management in our department, she would tell me about how she was praying for wisdom and guidance in her response. When I would work myself into exhaustion and then complain about it the entire week, she would remind me that work was not and should not be my sole priority in life. When I found out that my roommate had COVID and I couldn't stay at my apartment, she opened up her home to me and my dog. Never out of duty, but out of love for myself and our department staff. Naturally, after living together for a week, we became close friends, and Casey quickly became my confidant for life's problems because of the wisdom and kindness she would speak into my problems. When a really tough situation presented in my personal life a few months later, she was the first person I wanted to talk to. She suggested that I visit Citizens Church that Sunday with her friend Lindsay, who helped plant the church. She said it would help me feel grounded and comforted when my life ultimately felt like it was spinning out of control. Then one Sunday turned to two, which turned into joining a community group and eventually becoming a member last month. Throughout the entire process, Casey stood beside me, encouraged me, and prayed for me. I could not be more grateful for the guidance and the love that God has shown me through her. Um, Courtney, thank you for sharing. Uh, Courtney is a member in our church and uh, faithfully walking with Jesus in our church, serving because of a coworker, because Casey was faithful and was willing to step in. Courtney's in a group. She's getting baptized later this fall. She's serving on Sundays. She's part of our family because of a coworker. Because a coworker stepped in, invited her in wasn't weird, right? Just was there. She lived from a reconciled heart. She, there was something different. I'm praying for a lot more stories like that. Praying for a lot more stories in our church that we would uh, be faithful like Casey, that we would see a lot more Courtney's come into our church because of faithful co-workers. Uh, it takes a lot of work. You've got to hustle and God is going to show up and provide. Um, so we'll step into our work with love with joy, with prayer. I hope that God's going to move, because He will. He's promised it, shown us where we're going, so we can step in faithfully and boldly. Let me pray for us. God, we thank You for the Gospel. We thank You that uh, we, we had no potential and no hope. We were helpless before You. And you, Jesus, you came to save us. Through your life, through your death, through your resurrection, we have been made right with the Father and with one another. We, we will spend eternity thanking you. God, uh, we thank you that you, by your grace, 
have not just saved us, but have given us infinitely more and invited us in to this ministry of reconciliation. What a beautiful calling. God, I pray that you would help us to believe. Believe in a real way, in a functional way, that, that you are moving, that you've moved into us, and that wherever we are is intentional. That you're moving, that you're faithful, that you're powerful. Um, pray that you would give us boldness and wisdom, but also just we pray that you would change us. Pray that you would reconcile our hearts, that you renew us. So that when the world looks on us, they would see something different and that you would move through it. God, we thank you for your love, care for us, and the gospel. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.